All right, what's going on, Faith Church? Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to have you in the house. My name is Steve Husk. I'm the lead pastor, and I just want to take a minute and come right out of that video, and again, just issue the 90-day tithe challenge. Um, you know, we've been doing this for several years, and it's just this idea that, again, that everything that we have is not really ours. It's on loan from God. We're called just to steward it or to manage it in a way that honors Him and glorifies Him. And honestly, when you talk about money, again, people get nervous. And for all of us, at some point, you reach the place in your spiritual journey where you decide if you're going to trust God or not. Because again, as Pastor Brad said and Pastor Ronnie mentioned it, again, tithing really is not a money issue. It is a trust issue. And I remember I was there, right, when you sit in church and long before I was ever a tither, I was a tipper, which meant when, you know, gave time for the offering, I might put in a dollar or five, or if it was a big Sunday, I might drop a 20 in. But to reach the place to really trust God and say, man, a tenth of everything he's put in my care is his. And every time I increase, every time I get a paycheck, every time I get a bonus, I'm bringing 10% back to God's house because I want to trust him. We recognize that for a lot of you, that step is a big step. Now, I'm just going to tell you, it's risky to serve God. But this is one time we're going to bail you out and we're going to minimize the risk for you to test God. And so the 90-day tithe challenge, for all of us, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. I would encourage you to grab it and fill it out. And here's what our challenge is, that if you'll do what God's called you to do and be obedient to bring the tithe every time you increase, every time you get paid, that at the end of 90 days, if you've been faithful to tithe, then you can look at us and say, man, it's not worked out. It was a bad decision. It was the worst thing I've ever done. Then we will, re we will refund you every penny you gave during those 90 days. But what I think you're going to find out is what a lot of us in this room discovered, and that is that the God we serve is incredibly faithful, that I've discovered it, the Perus have discovered it, many of you in this room have discovered it, that if you'll do things God's way, you'll find out that God's way is always the best way. Come on, somebody. And so I just want to issue the challenge that if you've never stepped out, this is a great opportunity for you to do it. What we'd ask you to do is just fill out the bottom portion. It's a way of accountability to say, hey, I'm taking the tithe challenge. Uh, if you decide not to do it here, you can do it online. But if you want to tear that, fill it out, tear it out, and then on the way out, there are some buckets where you can drop it in. I would challenge you to take the tithe challenge. As well as if you're here and you're already, you're already taking the tithe challenge, you're already walking out the tithe, I would just ask you to fill it out just the way of saying, Pastor, we're on board here. We support the vision here, and we want to be givers of what God's doing, and we want to bring the tithe. So again, just fill it out, tear it off, and drop it on the way out. Awesome. Wasn't that some incredible worship, man? Can we just honor our worship team? Man, love that we get to be in a place with so much excellence. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room have ever taken a dare from someone else and you did it? Like you got dared to do something and you, you took the dare. I mean, you were playing truth or dare or somebody just dared you and you felt like your man card was on the line. Or, you know, you decided you weren't going to do it, but then they dropped, the, they dropped the bomb of the double dog dare. And you just, I mean, if you hear double dog dare, I mean, it's not, even, it's, not, it's not even a choice anymore, is it? I mean, you have to do it. And it's crazy because once you get dared to do something, it's like we throw all wisdom and common sense out the window. Think about the things for all of you in this room that have taken a dare in your life. Think about the things that you have eaten. Let's get a little gag reflex in the back of your throat. Think about the dangerous things that you have done. Think about the foolish things that you've done. In fact, some of you in this room, the fact that you're still alive and not in jail is a miracle because now at least you have some really great stories to tell. I mean, think about the idea, again, that 
many of us, if not most of us in this room or watching online, someone has said, I dared you. And man, we just went out and did it. I'll be honest, I, I'm 47 years old. And I'm still down for a good dare. Now, I don't do many of them here in Florence, Alabama, because I don't want to put, bring a bad name on Jesus or Faith Church. But if I'm outside, I'm all in. <laughs> I, I was wrestling through all the stories I could share, and most of them didn't make the list. <laughs> and this one probably shouldn't have made the list, but I'll leave some details out. We, uh, several years ago, a year before last, uh, a buddy of mine, our wives, we were in Cancun together and we're walking down the beach. We're actually on our way to get uh, massages, which I've never had a massage until then. And because I just wasn't comfortable with anybody rubbing on me until someone rubbed on me. Now I'm all down for massages. I'm just, <laughs> just telling you. So we're on the way. Uh, it's, it's us and it's our wives. So all four of us, we're going to get a massage, you know, each. I mean, we're, it's not. Anyway, so. We're on our way there, and as we're walking down the beach, some of you guys maybe have ever been at a resort or been on a beach, and you've seen these. They have, like, these mattresses, like, laid out on the beach for people just to go lay on. Have you guys ever seen those before? If you've never seen them, just imagine just a mattress out by the ocean. And so we're walking down the beach, and this pastor friend of, me, of mine says to me as a pastor, but we're not in Florence, he says, I bet you won't go up and, and, and sit on the edge of that mattress and strike up a conversation. Well, I wasn't going to until he said, I dare you, and if you do it, I'll pay for your massage. I mean, that's all he had to say. I didn't go sit on the mattress. I went and snuggled up in on the mattress between those people. I made friends for life. It's a dare, and I won with a massage. <laughs> but think about that. I mean, it's crazy when really you think about all of the dares all of us in this room have taken throughout our lives, how foolish how silly, how crazy. But at the end of the day, here's what I want you to know is that somebody leveraged their influence in your life to get you to do it. Someone took influence and challenged you, dared you, double dog dared you to do something that you normally wouldn't do by leveraging their influence. And so with that thought in mind, this is where we've been in this series, Fingerprints, is just this idea, is it possible for us to leave a mark in our world? In fact, here's, here's the question we're tackling. Is it possible to intentionally mark the lives of those around us in a positive and permanent way? Now, I'm just going to answer just right out of the gate. The answer is absolutely yes, if you're willing to manage your mark. If you're willing to be intentional about the leverage that you have, if you're willing to be intentional about the influence in your life, the answer is yes. Every one of us in this room, everybody watching online, we can leave a positive and permanent mark in the world around us. Thank you. Think about this. If you're taking notes, just a real simple thought all of us, we need to get our minds around is that we all have influence. Every one of us in this room, regardless of our age or our background, every one of us in this room, everybody watching online, we all have influence. In fact, we started this series several weeks ago with just this idea, kind of the big idea of the day was that we've all been marked by God so that we can mark others for God, that God has done something unique in all of our lives. In fact, we started off by just kind of this idea that we've been marked as God's creation. But think about this reality that every one of us in this room, you are a human being. God made you uniquely in his image. God made you after his likeness. And then he said this all the way back in Genesis. God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion. Everybody say that word, dominion. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. 
What God was saying was in the initial DNA of mankind, he gave influence. And he said, I want you to have influence on your environment. I want you to have influence on your relationships. I want you to have influence on everything you touch. When God made you, God put in you the DNA of influence. You have influence. And so all the way back in creation, it's just about the capacity of influence. So if you're here and you're a human being, you have influence. We talked about not just as God's creation, but we've been marked as God's children. Many of us in this room, maybe growing up, I would hear challenges like this before leaving the home. Don't forget where you're from. Like it was this challenge to remember like I was representing the husky name, right? I was like I had to remember what my background was. Well, if you're here and you've given your life to Christ, I want you to know that there is an intentionality. There's an intentionality to the influence you have because Jesus comes along and he says, listen, if you belong to me, here's your call to let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't just let your light shine. He says things like this, be the salt of the earth. Think about the power of just that challenge to let your light shine. Here's a question for you. When you show up, does it get brighter or does it get darker? When you begin talking, does the, does the level of conversation go up or does it go down? Are people glad to see you come or are they glad to see you go? Be a light in your world. Be a light in your workplace. Be a light in your home. It's this idea that because we belong to God, because we are Christ, that he's given us the call of his children to represent his name. Are you managing your mark? And not just the call of being marked as his creation and being marked as his child, but we've all been marked with a call. That every one of us, that there is something unique about you that's not unique about me. And there's something unique about me that's different than you. That each of us have a unique personality, gift set, talent set, opportunities. God's put you in places that he's not put me in. He's put me in places that he's not put you. And so it's this idea that there's this empowerment to your, to your call. There's this empowerment to the influence that he's given you. In fact, let's just think about it for a few minutes about just the influence represented in this room. Some of us in this room, we have influence just alone by the position that we carry in life. Some of us are CEOs or bosses or managers. Some of us are parents. We're coaches. We're teachers. Some of us in this room, just naturally by the position of authority we hold in the home or in the workplace, we already have influence. So let me ask you a question for all of you that are small business owners or CEOs. You might feel that your primary purpose in the place of employment is to be the person that you manage the resources in a way to bring a great return to the shareholders. And while, yes, that might be part of your call as far as your, your board is concerned, I want you to know that you have a greater purpose in Christ than just to bring a great return. You are there to leverage the influence you have in the workplace to influence the lives of those around you. Think about how many of us in this room have ever complained personally or heard someone else complain about their boss. Come on. You know why? Because those bosses, those CEOs, they're not aware of the influence they carry. God wants you if you, carry, uh, if you carry influence just because of your position to leverage your influence as a teacher, to leverage your influence as a coach. It's about winning, but it's more than winning. It's about money, but it's more than money. Here's one. What about parents? Think about, think about the tremendous influence we carry as parents. Wow. I mean, if that doesn't rattle you from time to time, you're not really thinking it through. I remember Shauna called me the first time when she found out she was pregnant. She called to let me know that we were pregnant. And I'm just be honest, there was no we about it. I've been in the delivery room three times. If it was up to men, 
humanity would cease to exist after one generation. There's no way, I'm out. She called me, and I don't remember our conversation. I remember truly she called. I picked up the phone. She said something about her being pregnant. It went black for about five minutes. I remember walking up to my, uh, to my boss at that time. He said, what's going on? I said, Shauna just called. She's pregnant. And he said, what did you say? And I said, I think I hung up on her. She, he, said, he said, you need to go back and call her and tell her congratulations. I'm just telling you, I felt the way, when I found out a kid was coming, I had the weight of the world. And there have been many times in the last 22 years of raising three kids that my wife have looked, and we've looked at each other and said, man, we are jacking these kids up. Because there is this weight of responsibility. Let me ask you a question, parents. God has given you authority in your children's life and in my child's life. Are you setting a standard and are you determining a path? The, the children who are surely following you, are they going to end up closer to Christ or further from Christ because they are following you? We have influence just because of position. Some of us, we have influence just naturally because of the resources we have. Some of you have just more money. You bring in more Benjamins, and that's great, and God's blessed you and honored you that way, and there's nothing wrong with you spending greater resources on a lifestyle and enjoying that. But again, are you managing your mark? Part of the reason God puts resources in our life is to leave a permanent mark helping others. Some of us, it's in this, in this room, sometimes we have more influence just because of the talent in our lives. Some of us have platforms. Some of us have talents. Some of us has, have voices just because of, again, the gift set that God's given us. Again, are you managing your mark? Now, I know there's some of us in this room, and you're like, Pastor, I, I'm none of those things. I don't, I don't have much money, and I don't have any position. I'm entry level. I don't have any discernible gifts. But I want you to know something. It doesn't take much character, and it doesn't even take much talent. It doesn't even take much creativity to use our words to build people up, to use opportunity to serve people, to love people, just to bring joy in a room. Come on. Everybody in this room, we all have influence. We just have to determine if we're going to leverage it to leave a mark. I heard a story from Dr. Paul, who was with us just last month, Dr. Paul Alexander, and he shared a time that he was serving over in Iraq, just in that area on a short missions trip there. And while he was there, he came across an orphanage in Iraq that was ultimately, there was an Iraqi doctor who was a Muslim who was there as the primary care physician for this orphanage and these children. And by the time uh, he had gotten there, Dr. Paul, he found out that this Iraqi doctor had converted from Muslim to become a Christian. And he just engaged in a conversation. He said, you were Muslim and your father was Muslim and your father's father was Muslim like you've been Muslim for generations. What caused you to abandon the faith of your fathers and turn to Christ? And this doctor said this. He said, I did not see the women who wore veils coming to care for the orphans. I saw women from the West coming and talking about their Jesus. He was saying, like, just these women just showing up serving was an influence on this Muslim man who calls him to turn to Christ. Listen, we all have influence. Everybody say, I have influence. You have influence. All of us in this room have influence. Think about when we were raised, many of us in this room, we've heard this term many times, you know, be careful who you run with. You know, you are who you run with. How many people were warned by your parents not to hang out with somebody and you hung out with them anyways? Imagine how good you would have turned out had you listened to your parents, you bunch of rebels and heathens. 
Now you wonder why your kids don't listen to you. It's because you're reaping what you sowed. That's why. <laughs> that idea or that principle to basically be careful who you run with, right? It's, it's found in Scripture. It's a principle. I want you to listen to it. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Every voice, I want you to read this with me. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You know what he's saying? He's saying some of you are not aware of the influence people have in your life. You think they don't influence you, but they do. You think the people you hang out with don't influence you, but you do, but they do. Come on, some of you, you change the way you talk when you hang out with certain people. Some of you get more urban. Some of you get more country. Some of you get more European, right? I mean, depend. it's how you dress. Some of you have earrings and tattoos because your friends had earrings and tattoos. Like our lifestyle is this reflection of who we've, who we've hung around, who we've been around right? Be aware of the influence on your life. That's what Paul's saying. But here's this principle. Here's where I want us to get our handles around today is imagine if we can turn this on its, on its head. If Paul is saying, listen, you need to be aware because some of you don't know the influence other people have on your life. What if we turn it on its head and we can intentionally have an awareness and an intentionality to know that it's, there's not just influences on our life, but we have an influence in our life that we can intentionally influence other people. I'm going to stop living accidentally being influenced by other people, and I want to start living intentionally to be an influence on other people. Come on, somebody. Think about that. So again, that, that mindset, and I know it, it's so hard. I mean, I just, I've been working on this message and like I'm already messing this, this up because it's so easy to forget your influence. It's so easy to, it's just so easy to walk into a conversation and forget your influence, to walk in an environment. But I just believe that God's called us to leave a mark, but it's only gonna happen if you have an awareness that you have influence and you use it intentionally. You leverage it with purpose to help people, encourage people, build up people, to make an impact on our workplace. So you go through Scripture, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and Romans chapter 14, there's this conversation that Paul is having, and you'd have to check it out on your own, but the premise of the conversation is there was a lot of debate and disunity in the church because there were some people who had gotten saved who came out of the Jewish law and they felt like they had to still keep the law in order to honor God. And then there were some people that didn't grow up at all with the law and they came to Jesus and put their hope and trust in Christ as their savior and they weren't keeping the law at all. And so one part is yelling at the other part that if you don't keep the Sabbath, you don't love God. And they were yelling back, we don't have to keep the Sabbath. We can worship on Sunday. If you don't worship on Sunday, you don't love God. And there were these debates about what they were eating. Some people were saying, if you eat meat, you don't love God. And some people were saying, if you're a vegan, you don't love God, which I would side with that second group there. (laughs) Paul seems to, too. You can read in Romans 14, another message. But basically, his whole conversation, Paul's looking at this, and he's looking at the church, and they're fighting, and he's used, he uses this phraseology. He says, you're condemning each other, like you're putting weight and hurt on each other. And basically, he says, you, you don't, you don't even, you're not even aware. You're fighting so much for your position, you're missing how much you're hurting people around you. And then he says this, Romans 14, 7, he says, for we don't live for ourselves, and we don't die for ourselves. 
You know what he's saying? He's saying you need to live with this awareness that your words are helping people or hurting people and not just be aware of the audience you're around and not just aware of your circle of influence, but be aware of who you represent. Because if you're aware of who you represent, you can be aware of how you represent. That again, I've been marked so I can mark. Are you guys, so listen, nobody in this room, you don't live on an island. Every word you speak that someone hears, it's an influence. Every decision you make, it's an influence. I came across a really, man, really, really great study. And uh, this is done about two years ago. And it was, this study was done on the cause of obesity here in the United States. Why, why, is, why is our nation blowing up with obesity? And here's ultimately what they found. Very interesting study. They found that ultimately that the obesity that we are facing in our nation is far less about DNA and far more about influence. What they found specifically is that, that human behavior is contagious. In fact, just in the realm of obesity, here's what these researchers found, is that you, if you have an obese friend, you have a 45% more, you're 45% more likely to be obese yourself. Think about that. And if your friend is obese, you're 45% more likely to be obese, which means your friend is 20% more likely to be obese, and their friend is 5% more likely to be obese. You say, well, how? Come on, how many of us have ever been in the room, you went to a restaurant to get something to eat, and you were going to get a salad, but they got a burger, so you got a burger. Come on. I mean, you was going to work out, and they was going to work out with you, and they called and said, I'm, I can't make it, and so you didn't work. Come on. Listen, if you got somebody eating salads and working out, there's a good chance you're probably going to look like me. Just help you out. But here's what they found out. This was the craziest part of the study is that they found out that this principle, it doesn't just work with obesity, that this principle works with every area of life, that, 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 that unintentionally people are an influence to those around them. It happened with divorce rates. It happened with the way people voted politically. It had to do with how people handled their kids. Like every area of life was influenced. So this whole study showed that people live their life unaware and unintentionally living their life, influencing people, and they had no idea they were. Here's the question. If people can unintentionally live in their own human ability and leave a mark. What if we got a group of people who started living with an intentionality and with the help of the Holy Spirit? What could we do to leave a mark in our world? To leave a mark. To have awareness and to have intentionality. To leave a mark. The whole gospel is around this idea of influence. In fact, Jesus, when you go back, Jesus made this comment in Mark chapter 10. He said this, he said, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. I want you to just leave this up for a second. I want y'all just to pull that in. I want you to notice what Jesus is saying. He says, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life a ransom for many. What Jesus is saying is, first of all, he had awareness. Everybody say awareness. He had awareness of who he was. He used this title, the Son of Man. The, the title, the Son of Man, is, is a unique title, a, a unique messianic title. It was prophesied in the Old Testament in Daniel that the Jewish Messiah, when he came, he would be known by that title. What Jesus was saying when he called himself the Son of God is he saying, I know who I am. I have an awareness of why I'm here. Like, I know do you know? Do you have an awareness? 
And not just an awareness, but I want you to notice, he says, he says, I didn't come to be served. This is the Lord of glory. This is the King of kings. This is the God of heaven who showed up in flesh. All of creation could and possibly should have fallen at his feet and worshiped him and ultimately served him. But he said this, he said, I've come with intentionality. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And with an awareness of who he was and with an intentionality of why he was here, he changed the world. What would happen if you really believed you had influence? And what would happen if you begin to leverage that influence in conversations to build up instead of pull down, to position your children for success, to be a light in the workplace, for people to be glad they work under you, for you, or beside you, to intentionally leave a mark? There's a, some of you guys who maybe track with, with business stuff for, for years and years, kind of the big idea was your IQ. In order to be successful in business or successful in a lot of things, you had to have a, a, a high IQ, a, a high intelligent quotient. And they've changed the research of that in about the last 10 years. Now it's not about your intelligent quotients. It's not about how smart you are. Now they teach this stuff uh, called your emotional quotients, your EQ. We spend a lot of time here at Faith Church. Every Tuesday we get together as a staff and, and we pray together and we worship together. We talk about what's going on here at church. But as the, as the leader of this house, I try to lead my team. And a lot of times we're talking about leadership principles because I, think, I believe everything rises and falls on leadership. And so we've talked about this, this idea of EQ. And one of the primary things about EQ is this, is you have to have an awareness of what you carry. You need, to, you need to recognize what you carry when you walk in a room. Are people glad when you show up or are they glad when you leave? Do people tense up when you show up or they, they're glad, like they celebrate when you're no longer there? Like what kind of influence do you bring in the room? And if you don't know what kind of influence you bring, you don't have a very high EQ and you probably won't succeed very much. But when you know who you are, that I'm a, I've been created in the image of God, I've been made a child of God, I've given, been given the call of God, therefore I have influence in this world and I want to use it in my conversations and I... I want to use it in my parenting. I want to use it in my workplace. God, help me to represent you well. God's saying, I will use you to leave a helpful and permanent mark in the lives of people. How many people want that? Only thing you can do, man, two things. You can write this down. Here's, here's what we need is don't devalue your influence. Don't devalue it. Don't think you're too young. Don't think you're too old. Don't think you're not connected enough. Don't think you're not smart enough. Don't write off, Lord, somebody else. We all have influence. Every one of us in this room. And number two, don't misuse your influence. Some, you, some people are aware they have it and they use it to hurt people and to bring oppression in workplaces and challenges in the home. A lot of times people use influence just for themselves, just to position and leverage for their own advancement. So once you're aware you have it, don't misuse it, manage it well. Stewardship, uh, influence like, is like everything else God's given us a steward. You need to steward your influence. You need to manage it well. There's a, one of my favorite guys is Tim Tebow. We had Tim Tebow fans in the house, Tim Tebow. The reason I dig Tim, Tim Tebow, I'm not really, uh, I don't follow him with sports when he was playing a lot of football. 
or baseball, but I dig him as a character because in a, in a culture that's declining, here's a guy who's bold about his faith and he's got the character to back it up. Um, I mean, man, I just think he's just an upstanding, I think he's an upstanding dude. I don't like the ring he bought his, his girlfriend and I forbid Shonda to look at it because I don't want her to get ring envy. Like we blocked the website. Like you can't even Google it in our house. I just blocked it. So Tim Tebow, if you don't know his story, let me just give you just a piece of it. So Tim Tebow made a decision uh, when he played for the Florida Gators that he was going to do like a lot of his teammates, right? So many of them were wearing black under their eyes and they were writing little inspiring words and phrases, writing words like mom, gators, different things that they were playing for that inspired them. And so Tim Tebow, being a Christ follower, he decided what better way to be inspired than write Philippians 4.13, P-H-I-L, Philippians, Phil for short, 4.13, which is I can do all things through Christ who, th- who strengthens me. And he thought, what? what better way to be inspired? And so for several months, he wore this every game under his eyes. And in January 2009, He made it onto a national platform playing for the BCS championship against Oklahoma. And as the game was coming, he felt like the Lord was telling him to to not use Philippians 4.13, to use John 3.16. And at that time, Coach Urban Meyer, who's also a Christ follower, he went to him and said, Coach, I feel like I want to not write Philippians 4.13. I feel like I want to write John 3.16. And Coach Urban Meyer, like many coaches, are very superstitious. And like, listen, Philippians 4.13 got us here. Don't change it now. And so he's like, man, I just feel like... And so the coach said, hey, you do what you feel like you need to do. And he changed it from Philippians 4.13, and he wrote on the national stage, just under his eyes. I mean, how big is that? John 3.16. He went out and played the game and beat Oklahoma for the national title. Later that night, the entire team is out to dinner. Coach Urban Meyer's phone rings. Coach picks up the phone. Hello? Yeah? Really? Wow. Yeah, I'll let him know. Thanks. He looks and he says, hey, Timmy, guess what? He's like, what, coach? He said, you'll never believe it. While the game was being aired, 94 million people Googled John 3.16 which is the basic of the Christian message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so it became his thing and he kept wearing it under his eyes, made it in pro ball. And three years later to the day, he's on the national stage again. He's playing a playoff game. Denver Broncos, he's playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They pull off a game, they win, all while wearing John 3.16 under his eyes. He goes to the showers, he cleans up, and he's on his way to talk to the media. And on his way there, the guy that's over communication for the team grabs Tim Tebow and says, Timmy, guess what? You'll never believe this. Just tonight, while the game was airing, over 90 million people Googled John 3.16. So just one guy who thought, I'm just going to leverage my faith. Wrote John 3.16 just in two games. 184 million people got the gospel message. And it was like almost by accident. And so I just want to pose to you what would happen. You might say, well, that's Tim Tebow. I don't have that platform. 
I, I don't know, did Tim Tebow have the platform or did he get the platform? I just, I just know that God's called us to leave a mark. To leave a mark at work, to leave a mark on our kids, to leave a mark on this house, to leave a mark in our community, to leverage the influence we have, to make things better, to lift people up, to lead people to Christ, to change the world, to influence people's eternity. You got to manage your mark. That means we have to be aware of our words. We have to be aware of our influence. What would happen if you went into your world this week with awareness and intentionality? You could leave a mark that would permanently, permanently make people better. How many people say, Pastor Steve, I, I want that? Because my hand's up. How many people want to leave a mark? This, just this week, I want to leave a mark. Father, I pray over every opportunity, every platform, every decision, every word. God, this message will be easy to be forgotten in the busyness of life. But I pray, Holy Spirit, you will remind us of the influence we all carry. And God, I pray that we would have a burden and a conviction, God, to leverage it well. God, to speak well to lead well, to parent well, to manage well. God, I pray the influence that you've given us. Lord, help us in our world and in our circle of influence, not just to be influenced, but to be influencers and to leave a mark on the world around us. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a minute as we close, listen, I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the only one who came to rescue us. He's the only one who can save us. You say, from what? The Bible says, and you know it without even hearing a scripture, that we've all made mistakes. The Bible says we've all sinned, which means we've decided to live life our own way, play by our own rules. And those decisions have disconnected us from our creator because he's holy and we're sinful. It disconnects us and it creates a chasm that no matter how hard we try, we can't bridge it. You can't be religious enough. You can't be good enough. And it's not because God's playing hard to get. In fact, the opposite is true. He loved you so much and he loved me so much that he bridged the gap with his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, any one of you in this room, anybody watching online, whoever would believe in him, just put your faith, your full trust that he loved you enough to die for your sin. If you'll put your trust in him, the Bible says you'll be saved. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ or you're backslidden and you're not serving God today, today you can make a decision to recommit your trust and your faith in Jesus. I'm gonna lead us in a simple prayer. You can pray your own, own prayer. God, save me. God will. Or you can follow me in this prayer. Say, Jesus, I love you. And I thank you that you've always loved me. I repent of my sin and I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross to save me and you rose on the third day. Come into my life and help me from this day forward to follow you in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees said amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that here or at home, you can text ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E, to 97000. It'll give you a couple prompts. We'll give you some brief information over the next couple days that will help you in your spiritual journey. God bless you guys, man. Have a great week. We'll see you next week for a brand new series.